Good morning, everyone. My name's Raj. I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee, if you, haven't, um, if you, if you don't know me. Um, you're very welcome if you're, a, if you're new to the church. We are in a series uh, looking at Matthew's Gospel. Many of you know that today. We come to the end, actually, of what uh, is commonly termed the Sermon on the Mount. As many of you know, Matthew was one of Jesus' close disciples, a former, a former tax collector, a.k.a. also known as the local Jewish extortionist, working for Rome and betraying his people. That's how Matthew's life would have been uh, perceived before he came to Jesus. And then he made a decision. He made a decision to surrender everything a decision that would change his whole life. He decided to follow Jesus. We need to get that as we uh, listen to uh, these words week in, week out of Matthew. He surrendered everything, fame and fortune, power, and even life itself. He surrendered to know him to know Jesus. Matthew was eventually martyred for his faith, if you didn't know that. And in a way, all those facts, all those facts bring a lot of credibility to what he has to say to us. And as a result of this account of Jesus' life, Matthew's account, um, this teaching, if you like, became this Matthew's gospel, became a revolutionary pamphlet which shook the ancient world and actually is still shaking our world today. Um, in the church calendar, those of you who might maybe come from different church backgrounds in the past, in the church can calendar, so far we have waited over the days of Advent, haven't we? In expectation of the coming king at Christmas as a baby. Um, we've celebrated the 12 days after as of Christmastide, um, and got fatter. Well, I certainly have. And now we are in what my Anglican friends call epiphany. You've heard of that. The word epiphany literally means to appear. It's remembering the appearance of Jesus to the Magi, the Magi, the three wise, or however many wise men. In, the, in, in other words, the many nations, the Gentiles, nations from all over. You and me. That's what Epiphany is about. This season is about the revelation of who Jesus really is. I've loved the songs this morning because they too are a revelation of who Jesus really is. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you can know Jesus. You can know God in your head, that should go ding-dong. You can know God. Jesus' other disciple, John, said, Now this is eternal life, forever with God, forever satisfied, forever um, knowing that everything is okay. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. That's a huge claim, isn't it? The Christian faith is about knowing God and knowing His Son, Jesus. Not a morality code, not a way of life primarily, not a list of do-its or don't-do-its. That is the life of a Christian. 
So I'm going to ask Portia to read the passage. Portia, if you can come to the front and use this microphone, that'd be really good. Say, give Portia a. Portia is from Ghana, aren't you? Kumasi. Um, so if you could read Matthew, um, uh, Matthew 7, 13 to 27, and we'll project it up on the back screen in Farsi. So our Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 27. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But their fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a wonderful moment with you. We are so grateful. We are so grateful. Even as we are about listening to your word, May your spirit divine go not to speak true right to us. In this dispensation of life, we need nothing but your word that will cause us to be deeply rooted in you. May you cause it to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Portia. So, this passage is about decisions and consequences that lead us either closer to God or further away. It's about the characteristics, if you like, of someone who is leading a life or leading a life that is increasingly knowing God, increasingly a person who knows God. So, what are these, some of these characteristics from this passage? Well, firstly, 
I've written, they have, people like that have great thoughts of God. Um, See verse 13, enter the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction or life without God. And many enter through it. We see that all the time. But small, difficult is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. We live in a culture that would rather enter the wide and broad gate. It's easier for a start. We live in a world that says, if it's true for you, then it's true. Choose which path you want to. There's loads of them, and there is. And they all lead to the same place, many people say. Pick and mix, like at the cinema. But basically, Jesus says very controversially here, he's saying no to that, a big no to that. There's only two paths that Jesus says, two decisions, one toward me, one away from me. And what you decide, what we all decide, what our friends decide, what our kids decide, has eternal consequences. No pressure. Let me put it differently. If Jesus was on a plane to Tehran and you want to travel with him, then getting on a plane to Madrid won't work. I like that analogy because we can't fly. No. Now, if that offends anyone here, Jesus is not sorry. Why? Because he loves you too much to beat around the bush. And this decision of knowing God more starts with good thoughts, great thinking. Now, there'll be people here this morning, maybe, that say, that, um, that say, but hey, I'm not a religious type, and that's okay. It's great to have you with us. I'm a common sense person, a scientific person. I only believe in something if there's hard proof of it, and therefore, I am not a person who has a life based on faith. That's certainly how I would have thought 20 plus years ago before coming to faith in Jesus. But Jesus showed me through robust, reasoned thinking, through, the, through a community together, thinking together, that he was right and I was mistaken. That shocked me, actually. But it also gave me great reassurance, assurance. Uh, the, the baldy singer, Sinead O'Connor, I think she's got hair now, said in an interview once, me and John Kearney went to see her, not recently, a few years ago, as a race, we feel empty. This is because our spirituality has been wiped out and we don't know how to express ourselves. As a result, we are encouraged to fill that gap with alcohol, drugs, sex and money. People are out there screaming for the truth. She's not a Christian. Many in the world today would persuade you otherwise. Our friend Dick Dawkins puts it like this. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. We are machines built by DNA whose purpose is to make more copies of the same DNA. DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Nice. I would suggest that's not very thoughtful. 
I would suggest that that, that that way of thinking is blind faith of the highest order. We can't and don't truly live like that. None of us, including him. The writer of Hebrews, another book in the Bible, says this, by faith, we understand thinking. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made, of, made out of what was visible. In other words, God created. You know what? To come to that conclusion requires a lot of thinking. Christians are people who have looked at the universe and thought about it. And the conclusion we have come to is that all of creation is ultimately designed, intended, and purposed by God. Simon Conway Morris, a devout Christian and chair of evolutionary paleobiology at Cambridge University, believes that. Science doesn't conflict with his beliefs. One scientific philosopher wrote, the way that scientists decide that a theory is the one that is really right and is really true is by picking the one with the greatest explanatory power. The greatest explanatory power. What's he saying? He's saying the way you try to understand things are by starting with a faith principle, a faith proposition called a theory. Scientists might have changed the name. You can't prove it, to, you can't prove it, but you start with it. And then you say, let me try that theory on. And then you look at that theory, and then you might try another one on, and another one on, and eventually you ask the big question, which one has the greatest explanatory power? That's what Jesus is essentially saying in verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. The Bible talks a lot about explanatory power or making sense of the world. Christian faith consists of demands, requires of us, in fact stimulates the most profound thinking and reasoning and rationality there is. You cannot be a Christian long term without using your brain to the uttermost. J.I. Packer in his classic Must Must Read, I've read it again this uh, while preparing for this, uh, his book called Knowing God quotes Daniel 4, and he says, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. He knows and foreknows all things, and his foreknowledge is foreordination. In other words, he knows the future into being. He therefore will have the last word both in world history and in the destiny and over the destiny of every person. His kingdom and righteousness will triumph in the end, for neither men nor angels shall be able to thwart him. The late G.I. Packer was a very clever guy. Second characteristic of knowing God is a great contentment in God. You see, the Christian view of faith, believing, trusting, is multidimensional, multidimensional, relying on lots of kind of evidence, not just science alone. Faith is complex. Breaking it down simply, Christian faith is something that begins with understanding, thinking, great thoughts, as we've said already, but it doesn't end there. It's much more than that. It's bigger than that. 
No, rigorously thought out Christian faith ultimately leads from great thoughts to a personal commitment. I believe this. I am content with having this and this alone. This makes sense of my life personally for me in everything I do day to day. And then it finally completes itself in conviction, doing great things for God. A transformed boldness of life in action. An energy for God, I think somebody mentioned. That's what Christian faith is all about. Contemplation, thinking, commitment, I believe this, and conviction, therefore I do this. And unless all three of these parts are present, I would argue that it's not Christian faith. You cannot live a life that is joyful and hopeful and contented without great contentment in God. And over the years that I've been a GP, every 10 minutes, that truth becomes truer every day. Jesus tells us, doesn't he, in verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, a bit like what Paul Woodward was sharing with us last week. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jubilee, what are the present storms and winds that are blowing through your life at the moment. Illness maybe, anxiety and feeling that you're not worth it, marriage tensions, concerns about kids, loneliness, jubilee, the rain always comes. The Bible is honest about that. Jesus is honest about that. The streams always rise and the winds always blow and beat upon us. That's true. What's your foundation, Jesus is saying this morning? Who's your cornerstone? As we talked about in the prayer meeting and prayed it to. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Contrasting faith with sight as two opposites are very profound. Now, I'm going to give you my favorite example again. I always keep coming back to it when I find myself worrying and fretting. And for some reason, it always reminds me of Jodie. But anyhow, no, not the picture I'm going to show, but anyhow, you'll get it in a minute. My first experience of going to the dentist was when I was eight years old. And that day, and that day they took, when I was eight, they took loads of my teeth out. So I never went back again. Why would you? However, years on, Charlotte, my wife, her mom, and her dad were all saying, I think you should go to the dentist, Raj, because I was mourning about painful teeth all the time. Obviously, as a guy, I wasn't making a big deal about it. <laughs> but even the kids were getting at me, particularly after watching an episode of Peppa Pig at the dentist. Daddy Pig is very brave. He doesn't mind visiting the dentist. In fact, they once asked, Daddy, are you scared? Scared me? No, don't be daft. So I decided to give it a go again. 
And after my initial assessment and x-rays and whatnot, they decided that I needed, that I was going to need something called a, a root canal procedure. This is where they bore a hole into your tooth with a really noisy drill and gouge out all the gunk and uh, moams and decay and quality streets and cake and ice cream and Brazil nuts and Yorkies and Skittles and Smarties and anyhow. You're getting the picture. That's what they do. So as you'd expect, I'd question the dentist about this procedure, and he said, I wouldn't feel a thing. <laughs> it was straightforward. We do this all the time, not a problem. When I got back home, I Googled it, of course, found out what it entailed. In fact, that week I was going out with a bunch of dads and uh, Mike, a friend of mine, he's a dentist, so I started quizzing him about it. Uh, everything was fine. I wasn't worry about, worried about it. My faith was strong. I was content in the face of adversity, joyful in the midst of potential peril. Then came the day of the operation. <laughs> I walked into the room. Suddenly, the chemical smells hit me. I was greeted by two people with headscarves and head torches and masks over their faces and gowns on and gloves and whatnot. At the side of the chair, I noticed some bright, shiny operating tools. There were straps at the side of the chair. What were they for? <laughs> I was starting to bottle it. What was happening? I'll tell you what was happening. I was losing my faith. How come? I'd done all the research. I'd asked all the questions. Um, why was I now losing my faith? I'll tell you why. Because of my sight. What I could see. Before, I was walking by faith, but now I'm losing my faith because of my sight. So what did I do? I ran for my life. No, I didn't actually. I felt like it. How did I go? What did I do? How, how did I go through? Um, how did I go through it now that my faith was being rocked? Well, I thought about it again. I reasoned the situation out again. I remembered what I was told by the dentist and my friend. I wouldn't feel a thing, and I had it done. Whoa. This other teeth's wobbly now, but I'm not going through that again. We walk by faith and not by sight. Packer again writes, There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them. And this, this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life, through death, and on forever. Yeah. Two characteristics. Third characteristics, finally. God, knowing, um, of, uh, of characteristics of knowing God, um, is a great boldness in us, a great energy for God. What do I mean? Well, a bit like the identical houses parable that Jesus tells us that you've just heard, 
Two outwardly, this is scary stuff that Jesus is writing, two outwardly identical people can sit side by side in the same pew and do things identically, serve identically, and pray the same words identically, and read the same passages in the Bible identically, and one, very, very scarily, Jesus might, might say, I never knew you. Even experiencing God's power is quite different from knowing God's Son. Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, shows us that. See verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, in other words, outwardly religious acts, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jubilee, many people wear Christian clothes, say Christian things, go through Christian motions and look like they are part of the people of God. But Jesus warns that he can see beneath their clothing. And so must you. They sit in church, they live moralistic lives and they are easily offended when their relationship with God is questioned. Their face is a system of rules taught by men, as the Bible says, devoid of a heart filled with the Holy Spirit. They struggle with criticism and lash back when godly, grace-filled discipline comes their way. I have been all of those things in my stages and walk with Jesus. You see, this boldness is not just in doing, but doing the will of my Father. That can only happen, Jubilee, with deep friendship with God. We can, we can all do what we want, but doing the will of my Father is often different to what we want. An authentic Christian surrenders his will, as we heard this morning, to Jesus. You see, most of the time, I want a cardboard cutout Jesus who blesses my decisions, my lifestyles, my actions, my thoughts, a Jesus who makes the same excuses as me. Lordship is the difference between someone who is actually trying to use God rather than serve God. Jesus is not a cardboard cutout. God uh, is not a cardboard cutout God blessing our every decision. That is not the will of the Father. That requires great discernment, friends. This is tough teaching from Jesus who loves us. Jesus sees our heart. If the band can come up. Listen. The one who does the will of the Father is somebody who says, I will surrender my will, which means any part of my life, if that is what God is showing me through this, this person or that person in the church or through the Word of God or through a sermon or through a book or through the providential circumstances of my life, it takes a community to raise a, a disciple who knows God. If I see I'm being disobedient, I want to know that. Thank you all for telling me when I've been that. Next time, do it nicely. No. <laughs> Christians are saved by grace through faith. 
But there is no such thing as an invisible conversion. When a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, they start living differently, think differently, behave differently, relate differently. It's as simple as that. Phil Moore, a Bible teacher down in London, says this, Jesus invites us to pass through the narrow door of salvation, which is too tight to admit any hand luggage. I like that. Unless we enter by the narrow gate, we can never walk with Jesus on the narrow road. Even in spite, even in, in spite of all my twisted, all the twisted things about me that others don't see, all the corruption in me that are oblivious to many of you, for some unfathomable reason, God wants me and you as his friend, his disciple, to walk with him daily in the cool of the day and has given his son, Jesus, to die for me and you and to, to realize this purpose. So, let us end by pledging together as we sing this last song. Let's pledge together with Jesus to walk on that narrow, tough, often countercultural, swimming against the tide, narrow road, through knowing God more, doing the will of the Father throughout 2022. I loved what someone said earlier. The heat is on. It really is. The heat is on. Is that a deal? Is that a deal? I'll think about it over lunch. Let's uh, stand, let's worship this Jesus who brings us tough words for our own good.